Welcome in to the Stripe Show podcast. And uh, well, we've got a, a very special edition here uh, this week. Two dudes, two legs of uh, Dude Perfect joining me uh, here today. Tyler Tony and uh, Kobe Cotton. I can't thank you guys enough for uh, taking the time to, to jump on here, the Stripe Show podcast. I really appreciate it. How you guys doing? Doing good, Trav. Happy to be here. Ready oh, yeah. to do some podcasting. Come on, let's yeah. up. Yeah, well, this is, uh, this is a treat for us, and um, I know you guys are huge into golf. Uh, we've gotten to know each other over the last two years, and uh, I want to get into your guys' journey in the game of golf and uh, what's going on there and maybe what's on the slate for this summer. But I, I got to start first, though, with the documentary, uh, the documentary that you just released, uh, the Dude Perfect documentary. You can check it out on YouTube. It was amazing, man. I got to tell you, I've uh, my wife Amber's watched it twice. I've watched it um, <laughs> um, completely <laughs> once. And um, congrats on the successful year on tour last year and uh, giving us all a glimpse for the journey that has been for the last 10 years for Dude Perfect. Congrats, man. Really good stuff. Yeah, uh, it's been very exciting, um, much anticipated project for us to launch. It's something that we've been talking about, honestly, for years now. And feels like we've been working on it the same amount of time but i think it was just cool for us to give uh our fans and even people that really may you know may have not known that much about us just a glimpse into <laughs> what this full-time youtube life is like and um i think it's a lot different than people think of typically and this was our chance to give them more than just a quick you know five minute youtube video snapshot of a uh high energy you know, piece of content like we typically do. And so uh, the the response has been really, really positive. It's been overwhelming. Um, just the feedback that we've gotten from people uh, sending in, I mean, the time that they're taking to write these responses and things like that, yeah. we're, we're overwhelmed. So it's been, it's been very, very cool. Uh, we're super stoked with the way that it's been received yeah, so far. Know, it, it's interesting. Like there's a lot of takeaways for me and I've, I've gotten to know you guys over the last couple of years, but um I think what was the most interesting for me was that point where you guys had to make a decision where are we going to do this full time or not? Right. And I think, you know, Tyler, I think the story was with you where your boss was like, you can't miss any more Saturdays. You've got you got to get back in here. And you guys were shooting content and you all looked at each other and said, are we going to put ourselves out there and do this full time or not? And you guys made the decision you did. And I would say uh, that might have been the best decision you ever made. <laughs> I, I would agree with that. Uh, I mean, I think a lot of people just kind of maybe thought, okay, I guess these guys do this full time. I mean, we would legitimately tell brands, you know, we're pretty busy. Uh, the only day we're really going to be able to do this is maybe Saturday or Sunday. <laughs> we told them we were too busy with speaking engagements yeah. during the week to, uh, to work then we needed to do it on Saturday, <laughs> but they, uh, bought it most of the time and, uh, it worked for a while until, until we got shut down and, and we had to make the ultimatum and, I mean, thankfully, you can see in the doc, it, it obviously paid off. But that was a that was a scary beginning of the year. I mean, we really did not know what we were in for for the <laughs> remainder of the yeah. year. So that was uh, that that was pretty risky. The wives mentioned it during the documentary, but they don't get enough yeah. credit. Corey and I were not married at the time. So the other three guys who were married, I mean, that's that's risky stuff. And, you know, they had actual jobs. So um they they were very gracious to let their husbands and us give that a shot so that, that was a fun piece of the doc to get to tell that piece of the now, story there's five of you guys talking to dude perfect here um of course you tyler tony kobe cotton your twin brother Corey, 
Cotton. And then there's Cody Jones and uh, Garrett Hilbert, who just had a birthday yesterday. And hopefully uh, Garrett laughed at that video, right? Didn't he? He was, he was fine, fine with my analysis of his swing and that we're coming for you guys this year in his golf game. Oh, yeah. I, I was watching in the car next to him, and he was like, wait, how'd you get that video? <laughs> I was like, oh, you might want to check out uh, Trap's Instagram. So Cody <laughs> – so Cody in the in the documentary, I was cracking up when he said because uh, I think he was just getting married at the time, and he went to um, his fiance at the time's father and said, "Yeah, we're quitting our job and we're starting, and we're going to do YouTube full time." And this is before, of course, you know, this was I don't know this this wasn't normal right at the time um, when you guys were making the decision. It's a great moment, and I was dying laughing because Cody's you know, just his personality. And I could totally see him. I could totally see him saying it the way that he did, you know, to his future father-in-law. Yeah, I just quit my job and um, we're going to be doing this dude perfect thing full time. <laughs> yeah, that was unfortunately a conversation we, uh, the three of us at least had to have at that time, me, Cody and, and Garrett. So that was a, a very real conversation that took place for all three of us. You know, I talked, you know, I, I talked to a lot of younger golf instructors and, um, about giving them advice and of course you know i have a lot of kids in my site we're going to listen to this with their parents and i think you know the one of the things here is like you have to have a passion for something that you do but you have to put yourself out there and you have to believe in what you guys are doing and i think you guys in its purest form um that's what it comes down to you guys were having fun um, you loved doing it. You loved being around each other. You guys obviously have a great chemistry together, but you went for it. You know, you put yourself out there and you went for it. You never know until you try. Yeah. yeah. I think, uh, I mean, the fact that we didn't rush it too, I think played a big part in that. I mean, essentially we were doing that five years balancing and juggling our other full-time <laughs> jobs before we even really brought up the fact like, Hey, should we consider doing this full time? Which I mean, that might've even been late to the game, I guess a more conservative mm -hmm. approach, but um, it was a, it was a pretty well thought out plan of attack. I mean, for the most part, it took us a while to get there. And then I think we, we played it safe for the most part once we even did do yeah. that. But um, it was, uh, I think it was the way that we approached it too. And that's kind of how we, how we tend to structure our videos as well. Our video scheduling, we tend to try and be more quality over mm -hmm. quantity um, and make sure that what we're doing at that time is the best product that we can do. And we didn't want to, when we were first starting out doing full-time YouTube, a lot of these people were getting into the daily vlogs and these posting videos every day. And Hey, we're going to do two videos on Thursday. And you just saw a huge dip in their quality when they committed to doing such like a crazy yeah. schedule of, a video content and so that was one thing that we uh learned from a lot of people honestly that were even told us like hey if you are going to commit to a schedule make sure it's something that you feel comfortable with and that you can actually attain and continue to produce the type of content that people are expecting or have it you know grown to expect from you and so i think that also played a major part in us being able to make that transition a little bit more mm -hmm. smoothly yeah i think that's good advice uh quality over uh over quantity and um you know, speaking of yeah. that, um, and we're going to get to your guys's uh, golf games and journey here in a second. But, <laughs> you know, a real quick recap here of what I've been seeing during this quarantine last couple uh, months. You guys, uh, you guys kicked off this uh, this quarantine challenge, raise money um, for Feeding America. You launched a bean, right, which uh, I need to get here um, shortly. I'll hit you up after this. But uh, you, you, you hit up the Fallon Show. 
uh, you launched Dude Perfect Gaming. Have, have I missed anything? Man, I, I think those are the big ones. The Dude Perfect Bean, it's worth mentioning. It's a it's an actual okay. bean. You know, it's a it's like a baked bean. It's like, you know, one of those type beans. I had them for dinner last night, actually. <laughs> to will it will it be what we retire on? I don't know. You know, you like to think there's a chance out there that somehow the bean, you know, just catches fire. But if there's I, another pandemic, we might be retiring. I mean, talk about shelf life on this yeah. I will say. I will say anybody who's tried the the bean has been really impressed. We went through about, I don't know, 25 taste tests of different versions. This one company came to us and they made the Dr. Pepper bean. And we were like, okay, man, that's some good credibility there. We're big Dr. Pepper guys. So uh, honestly, we were really impressed with them. And it's been kind of a goofy thing to do. But, um, you know, we're, we're hunting, fishing, grilling guys. So it was fun doing that. It's been a fun project. It's awesome. It's good stuff. I can't wait to try it. I'll uh... – I'll see if uh, my wife will let me uh, try that since she's. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right, let's shift to golf. Um, you guys, you guys have played some, some great courses. Um, you guys were playing a lot last year on tour. Um, you've attended some great events. You guys were at Waste Management. Uh, we hung out here at the Players Championship. You walked inside the ropes with Tiger. What? Uh, give me a give me a favorite memory or two um, through this journey here in golf. And uh, Kobe, I'll start with you. Man, well, for context for everybody else, probably a year and a half ago, I was I had purchased a clicker for my golf game um, to keep track of the number of shots, okay. and it would be routine that on a I given can't believe hole, you just admitted that. <laughs> you got to start somewhere. I, I never played before, um, and you know it'd be routine to have elevens and twelves, you know, on a given hole, and Ty and the guys, I mean, just why they would not play with me or Corey. I mean, just a nightmare. Now, have I progressed that far? I don't know. You know, I'm in the nineties now, maybe, you know, I've had a couple of 89, so that's just where I'm at. You're tolerable now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, (laughs) do you really want to ride with me in the golf cart? Probably not your top choice, but it's improved. You know, I'm not, I'm not hosling them all. Right. So um, to have gotten to play, (laughs) to have gotten to play the uh, courses that I got to play last year on tour, just didn't feel right as a brand new golfer. Um, but it was, I mean, just incredible. Yeah. I think, um, what's the one, uh, in New York, Liberty, uh, Liberty. Liberty to me, just getting to play on that coast like that, the views were unbelievable. Yeah. So that was probably a highlight for me. And yeah, Travis mentioned, but baby drop program, big, big <laughs> help, big help. Uh, Trav has spent too much time helping me remotely. Uh, and it's made a big difference. Ty, what about, what do you think? Um, I don't know. I, I think for me, it's more so the relationships that we've been able to kind of start developing with these players. Um, it started off with, I guess, Wesley was really our first. Uh, Wesley Bryan was our first kind of PGA relationship that we had with any player on tour. And um, that started as a friendship. And he introduced us to Rom. Um, and then slowly just through, you know, pro-ams and all these different events and uh, getting to go to all these cool courses. I mean, I played with, uh, Victor Hovland in the pro-am and Bubba Watson and, um, just gotten to meet some really, really cool guys on tour. And, um, it's been neat to kind of, you know, see them at all these different courses and then stay in touch and have them to the office and, uh, even be able to play golf with them on our own outside of, of the, uh, PGA. So I think just developing all those individual relationships with these guys has been probably my favorite. Part. Yeah. And you mentioned, uh, 
you mentioned John Rom. You guys have become uh, pretty good friends with John. In fact, you attended his wedding. Is that right? Out in California? Yeah. Yeah. We did. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, uh, it was a great wedding out there. And um, yeah, he, him and Kelly, they're great people and we love spending time with them. And when he comes into town, he hits us up and we try and get together. So uh, yeah, we've got a good relationship with John. It's fun. I think John, you know, kind of developed an early reputation of being a hothead on the course, but in our personal experience with him, I mean, about as nice of a guy as you can meet. Yeah. Uh, just really, really, really cool dude. Yeah, and I'm Kelly's a big John well. Rom fan. You guys were out here for the players. Um, you know, we hung out. In fact, I think I was walking with you guys. John, you know, had the players <clears throat> right there coming down the stretch, um, had that one decision on 11 um, where he yeah. went for it. You know, it's funny, like in life, like that decision that John made to try to hook it around that tree and his caddy was adamant, if you remember, right, about about punching yep. out. Yep. He yeah, said, don't, don't do it. it. And he lost the players. Rory won it. Um, but since that time, I don't think there's been a better player in the world than John Rahm. Honestly, I think he's he's won. He won twice on the European tour, including the Order of Merit. He won another time in the States. And he's currently the number two ranked player in the world. He's been that moment in time. We talked about you guys, you know, having to make that decision, right? Like we got to go for, for John. I think he hit it head on. I think he's matured a ton. And I tell you what, Rory's number one. John Rom's not far behind him. Yeah. And it, it's funny. We talk about that because we were right there with you, I guess, watching that. And we, we've talked about that decision that he made a bunch, but I, I actually, I, I respect the decision. I mean, if he does, if he lays up and then goes for it, does he win the players? I don't know, but I, I'm I'm the guy that hates to see the the NFL teams that just run the clock out and just hand the ball off three times and then punt it away at the end of the game. I like the guys that go for it and maybe it's a little bit risk play, but I think the fact that he took it on and said, "Hey, this is you know this is my decision. I'm going to make it and I'm going to you know be confident in it." Maybe it didn't work out, but he knows I mean, he's capable. Yeah, of, he owned the decision, and I think. That's why you see John get so frustrated at times, too, is because he knows that he has that ability to to play at that elite yeah. level that a lot of guys don't, honestly. And so when he doesn't perform uh, and he lets himself down, I think that's where you see that frustration come in. And that it's I mean, it's as simple as that. But I respect the decision to go for it there. I mean, looking back, was it the right call? Probably not now, but I, I think it was, uh, yeah. you know. It, it was it was something he had to make for himself. Well, he's uh, I tell you what, I mean, he's he's turned it on. I mean, he and he and he's he's matured. I mean, he he can run hot under the collar when he gets out there. But I, I mean, who can? I mean, I get I, I played oh, yeah. with you guys. And after like my third consecutive bogey on the front nine, I felt like going into rage monster like like Tyler does in, in, in the show. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I've thrown a clicker or two, you know, yeah. sometimes you got to toss your clicker. You know, what are you going to do? Golf has a funny way of doing that to you. It brings it out to like no other sport. I mean, it really does. It's uh, unbelievable. The clicker. Oh, my goodness. Um, hey, yeah. don't even. Don't even, okay? That's just between you and us. Nobody listens to this, right? That's just the okay, three of us. So, if you're, if, so the rage monster, right, Tyler, that, that was also a very funny part of the show that I did not know beforehand. Um, um, I, I, uh, I look forward to seeing that live when you guys, uh, when you guys, uh, hit, when you guys hit the road again because – the rage monster is real on the golf course. It'll it'll do that to you. Question on Rom's game: Would you rather have John Rom's iron game or his putting game? Uh, iron game. His his irons are next yeah. level. So I've I mean I've played with John uh, several times now, and just to watch, I mean it it gets to the point like the best way I try to describe it to people is it just gets yeah. boring. Like it's like oh okay, well he's 170 out. He'll put this within 10 feet. Like 
it's just, it's, I don't know. It's, it's hard to describe. I mean, it's just hits it in the fairway and then puts it, you know, gives himself a birdie chance. Like it's like the game is comes too easy for him sometimes. It is. It is. You play with these guys. It's uh, it's amazing. And, and boring is a word that, you know, I'll use, I I work with a lot of players and I was like, Hey, are you, you know, you get to that level, man, you gotta, you gotta learn how to motivate yourself. You're, you know, you gotta be Mm. here by yourself a lot. Um, things can get monotonous. You, you can get bored, you know, you have to be able to, to self-motivate a little bit and, and get out there and keep grinding because man, these guys are good. I mean, John Rom, obviously he's one of the best players in the world and he's, and, and he's such a good putter too. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't yeah. get enough credit um, with the flat stick. Speaking of good putters, one of the best putters that I've ever seen is Wesley Bryan. Um, that kid, that guy <laughs> can roll the yep. rock. I mean, he can roll it. Goodness gracious. That guy is such a good putter. Yeah. All right. Yeah, we played with Wesley at uh, Eastlake um, while we were on tour last summer. Uh, and Garrett and I played with Wesley and one of his buddies in our little group. And uh, he's making a really, really strong comeback, too. Uh, I've talked to him a couple times in the last few weeks. And he's feeling really, really solid after after his rehab. And he's actually even hitting the ball further now. And um <laughs> I would expect to see a nice little comeback from him too. Honestly, yeah. he's also a big fan of Dude Perfect Beans, so I think you could <laughs> you could argue that they're they're playing a role. Yeah, and Oreos and some weird <laughs> almond nut butter or something. Okay. I gotta tell him to stop posting that. I'm over it. Well, I think with Wesley, it's all about it's all about the driver. I mean, if he keeps it in play, he'll he'll score. And um, you know, he's not overly long, but if he if he keeps it in front of him and not too penal off the tee, as good as his short game is. Um, you know, he'll, he'll do just fine. So we got a big match coming up um, this week and I want to get your guys' predictions. We've got um, Dustin Johnson and Rory McIlroy overwhelmingly favored on paper. (laughs) They are to Ricky Fowler and Matthew Wolf. Now it's a skins game though. So, you know, that's, that's a little different, but I don't know what's going to happen. What's uh, give me, give me a little insight on skins and who's going to win playing Seminole, which will be for those that, uh, well, Seminole hasn't been on TV. Um, it'll be quite the treat to see this golf course. Really special place down there in Southern Florida. My yeah. my wife went to Oklahoma State, so oh. I had been tracking. I had been tracking some with Wolf and Victor and that whole. I mean, what a team those guys had. And so I don't know. I'm I'm going to be pulling for those guys. Just underdogs. Um, I mean, that hitch that he has pre swing is just fun to watch. Um, so that's probably the level of my commentary there, but I, man, that it'll be fun to watch. I know everybody's looking forward to seeing a little competition. The Cowboys, they're going to, they're going to pull the upset. I I like it. Yeah. I think, I think the veterans have, uh, are going to have a little bit of a, a bigger advantage here just because (laughs) the format of this and being a, a, I guess you could call it a smaller venue, but you know, more emphasis on just those, uh, just those four guys. I think it'll be, it'll be like having a, a uh, guy on your team that's that's been to the playoffs, uh, yeah. a seasoned vet, and I think uh, I think DJ and Rory pull it out. Yeah, I mean, certainly all systems go. <laughs> I, you know, it's funny this 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 break. Um, Ricky's probably benefited the most from the break. He's taken on some pretty good swing changes right now. Um, mm. He's he works with a guy by the name of John Tillery, and Ricky's kind of always had the shaft a little laid off, and then he kind of steepens it, and then he has to. He has to kind of back up his spine to hit it, which I think, and they haven't been real public about this, but it puts some pressure on the back. Um, so I think he's really working to relieve that. 
So, you know, it'll be interesting to see where he's at. Matthew Wolf hasn't played on this big of a stage. So, you know, Rory and DJ licking their chops here, playing for a great cause, um, raising money for COVID-19. And, but uh, you know what, guys? I don't even care who's playing as long as it's live. I can't watch the 1972 U.S. Open anymore. I can't. can't do it. I can't. I can't. I'm, I'm, my, my wife is over <laughs> me. I'm over myself. Um, <laughs> I, need, I, need, I need live sports. Yeah, I, I don't do. think we're. I don't think we're too far away. We're get. We're getting close. We're getting close to being back to at least watching watching some on on TV. So the Colonial is the first one back. Charles Schwab Challenge right there in your backyard. You guys are in uh, the Dallas area. Um, you guys played Colonial? Oh yeah, played it with John. It's a good spot. Uh, I played it actually in February before all this went down, and um, you know it, it's going to be uh, the, the the fields on the PGA Tour when they come back are going to be uh, are going to be a lot of fun. So who else? Who else out on tour? Do you guys? Any, anybody else you guys enjoy watching? You've gotten to know, become a fan of that. Um, you know, when they're when they're teeing it up on the weekend, you guys are tuning in. Anybody else? Um, I mean, I mentioned Victor and Bubba. I mean, once I, it's just you know, once you play with those guys and you get to know them, then you you just have more of a vested interest in them, and you know, you try and pay a little bit more attention to those guys when you're watching and stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, it's cool how you you tend to to care, and it's like this. It's the same thing when we film with somebody for a dude perfect video i mean you know you film with russell wilson or drew Brees, and then all of a sudden now you're tuning into every seahawks and saints game and all of a sudden your uh sundays get a lot busier paired paired that with some fantasy football and you don't really leave the couch (laughs) but um yeah i mean all those guys that you mentioned we got to follow tiger around i mean that was that was just unbelievable just the talk about the crowd size difference when tigers at a tournament versus any I mean, I knew it was different, but until you actually go and see that firsthand and you're like, well, I know who's over on that green because there's just a sea of people and you can't even see the course hardly. I mean, it is, it is truly next level. It is. How about you, Kobe? Anybody else that you, uh, on tour, you really like following along? Man, I was trying to think if there's anybody else. Ty already mentioned Victor. I just thought it was really fun to watch him in person. I mean, not an overly big guy and just strong. You can just tell he's just powerful out there and, to me, one of the coolest things of this whole experience is just being able to walk the ropes as a very casual golf fan up until a couple of years ago. It's just truly unbelievable to stand very close to where they are and look at the shot they have coming up and then watch how close they can stick it. And I don't think Tiger gets enough credit for the, the crowd that's around him. I heard, was it Roy or somebody said, you just got to, you got to know that you got to give him probably, you know, one or two strokes on a four day weekend, just based on dumb people in the crowd and what they do over and over for him. So it has been cool to experience the up close piece of that, that we would never have had the chance to do otherwise. Yeah. The hardest group to play in is the group in front of tiger um, because everyone's trying to get their position. So they're moving around. Um, Yeah. It's mayhem. I even think it might've been bigger when he was younger. I watched him uh, at the Byron Nelson during, uh, Tiger Mania when he was young and he won the, and he won the Byron. I've never seen anything like that. That was when everybody was running out behind him on 18. It was just like you literally Gosh. you were literally getting ran over um, if you weren't watching yourself. So uh, <laughs> it's going to be interesting. Um, it all comes back. Everybody's kind of poised here to to get the ball rolling again um, on the PGA Tour. NFL Cowboys, you guys. 
Cowboy fans, I would imagine. Hey, this this is the year. Okay, this is the year. This is it. I keep seeing the the. It's all gonna be different. It's still eight and eight memes. So I do think CD Lamb was a good pickup. Yeah, but yeah, we're hopeful. So let's talk about your golf swings. We've worked a little bit over the last year or so. Um, Kobe, starting with you, you newer to the game. And I got to tell you, man, shooting in the 90s now, you I mean, you don't play a ton of golf. So, But it's certainly, if you did play more, your skill would continue to get better. And I think you would be in the 80s consistently. But, you know, we worked on just kind of your journey in starting this sport. You guys do a lot of stuff. I mean, you're playing a lot of different sports and competing all the time. Just your journey in golf and some of the things that we've worked on in your backswing, Operation Baby Draw, <laughs> this is – I mean, this is not an easy sport to kind of jump into and start learning technique. Would you agree or or how have you seen it? It just when I first started playing, I was thinking, how how can this be as hard as it is? And I mean, the ball's just sitting there, you know, I feel like I should be able to hit it. And yeah, I think it was a little counterintuitive to me. I think Ty was the first one who really kind of drove it home for me. But like, it's still weird to me that you're supposed to hit down on the golf ball. But the more that I've focused on a few of the simple things that you've taught me and that these guys have showed me, it definitely makes a huge difference. But, I mean, there's just no substitute for putting some time in. And, um, yeah, I've really enjoyed it. I mean, it's probably been my favorite hobby over the last couple of years is just trying to improve there. And Mm -hmm. um, it's so fun. I love getting out and playing. How about you, Tyler? Because you've really – I mean, we, we've we've worked on your swing path, right? Your club face angle and getting it a little bit more from the inside where you've played more and you historically had the face a little open and then maybe kind of would swing a little bit out to end, but play the cut, right? And play it very yep. well. But you, we've kind of, we've learned to hit the draw as well. So talk about that. Yeah. I mean, I grew up playing in elementary school. I would go, my mom and dad would go drive me to the Hank Haney course up here in Dallas. I don't even think it's there anymore. Um, and we'd go, it was a little nine hole course and we'd go play that with my buddies, just walk it. And so I grew up playing the game and loved it. And I mean, we would go play in our front yard and, you know, use trees as hmm. holes and, you know, you just got to hit it till you tap it on the tree or whatever. But, um, I got, I guess it's probably three years ago now. Um, I got to where I was playing really, really well. And I mean, I was shooting 73, 74, 75, pretty much every time I went out. And then like any great golfer decides to change things up when you start playing really well, go buy a new putter, change the swing, do all that kind of stuff. And then of course your game tanks. And so (laughs) figured that was as good a time as any to uh, try and make some swing adjustments that would help me be a little bit more consistent. I just got tired of that flared right miss. And so that's when, you know, we started working uh, together on hitting, at least being able to hit the other shots uh, that I wanted to be able to pull out, um, when necessary. And so, um, I think I'm kind of at like a, I'm at a pretty neutral, like happy medium right now. Um, I haven't, we really have not played hardly at all since the tour finished last year. Uh, but just hitting in the sim up here at the office, which has been a huge help. I mean, that's, that's really the only way I know it all where my game is at is just being able to go up there and hit and look at some numbers. But, Mm -hmm. um, I've got a I've got a pretty consistent um neutral uh club path right now and then um been really the grip was probably the biggest thing for me um that you helped me change I mean really strengthened my grip um and being a former uh baseball and hockey player um 
the swing path was just really tough thing for me to grasp. I mean, I wanted to come outside in on everything and get behind the ball and like you would a baseball. And so that's just a tough transition when you are playing multiple sports like that, that have different swing mechanics. But yeah. um, I'm pretty pleased where, where my, uh, where my overall game is at right now. Yeah. It's, you know, it's people on my site um, on Instagram. They, they like to know what I'm doing with people and, and like, and why I'm making these adjustments. And, you know, it's, in golf, like you're always trying to, you know, what is the goal of the student? And then you're trying to layer in things that are going to improve the probability of that impact position for you, Tyler. It's very common with a lot of people on my site where, you know, they get the face a little open and then they, and then their path naturally just works a little left to kind of go with that. But they're like, man, I want, I'm tired of that flare to the right, especially with the longer club. So you start trying to get that face to close a little bit more going back through the grip, through the wrist angle, and then it kind of forces your hand to have to start working the path more to the right. And that can be, you know, that journey can take a little time because you're used to swinging left. You hit a lot of pulls. Um, but if you keep but if you keep the club face a little bit more closed, it kind of forces you to start working that path. So that's a common thing. And then, of course, with you, um, with you, Kobe, it's, you know, we've really worked on, you know, kind of getting you more loaded up and really organized to the top of the swing so you can be instinctive and and learn to hit down on it a little bit and, yeah. and, and compress the ball. Because what happens when you get into golf, you know, your backswing really gets in the way of development. The way you turn limits what you can do coming down. So if you can get people organized going back, then from there they can – you know, they can start finding it more often, but you guys hit it on the head. It's, you gotta, you gotta work on it. You gotta practice it. Um, because technique, it, it tends to matter in golf, probably perhaps more than any other sport, maybe not, but it just seems when yeah. people get into the game, they're like, wow, there's, you know, technique really, really weighs out in this sport for sure. Yeah. No question. I just want to interrupt this interview real quick and give a shout out to my friends over at Encore Golf. Encore provides some of the most cutting-edge technology in a golf ball that I have ever seen. Their team in Buffalo, New York is changing the script of golf technology through their perimeter-weighted designs, which offer players enhanced accuracy and control for every shot on the course. With their award-winning Elixir and Avant 55 golf balls, they are transforming the game for players of all skill levels. Visit EncoreGolf.com backslash Travis Fulton for more details about their products that are revolutionizing the game. Now back to the Stripe Show. All right, so last question on the golf course here. You guys played Riv. You mentioned Liberty, right? Yep. Um, you played Mirfield. We did. With the milkshakes. With the mil- How were those? Oh, man. Yeah. So good. Almost ordered four of them. <laughs> Top <Better> three. Than- <laughs> was it chocolate? It's chocolate like peanut a, butter, right? It's like a Buckeye, I think they called it. Yeah, it's okay. like a chocolate peanut butter. Yeah. I'm was, a big milkshake guy. That was probably as fun, as me, fun to me as the course. Pinehurst. Yep. Special. East Lake. Mm-hmm. Thick, rough. Yeah, it is. It <laughs> yeah, is East Lake rough was <laughs> – I'd never seen anything like that before. I mean, there was legitimately – there. I think there was two times where – once was me and one one time I think it was Garrett – where I was in the rough, I could barely see my ball, hit what I thought was the ball, and nobody remotely close to us had any idea where it went and never could find <laughs> it after that. Hmm. 
It is. Eastlake is, um, it's a beast. The roughs always like that too. It doesn't matter what time you play it. It's just nasty, nasty rough. Um, Piner's number two. Interesting, right? Green's very difficult. Yeah. Yeah. The turtle shell greens. I mean, that was, but they, I mean, it was like, you talk about two extremely different courses. I mean, from Eastlake to Pinehurst where pretty much you're, you're good to go. I mean, in Pinehurst, I mean, even if right. you're, you're wide left, wide, right, you just go play your ball. And then, yeah, you know, it's not ideal when you're trying to stop it on a turtle green, but I mean, it, it was uh two very, very different courses, but I think P- Garrett said Pinehurst was his favorite course of all those that we played. Really? Um, personally, I, I loved uh, Muirfield. I played really well out there. Um, that was an awesome course. I enjoyed that one probably the most. I played really well at Riv for me. That was I shot an 89 at Riv, and that caddies, nice. the caddies there, I mean, that my caddy was just, goodness gracious, I wish I had him <laughs> in my pocket. What about TPC Sawgrass Stadium? You played that. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, – <clears throat> We uh we hit on um 17. We haven't played the uh full course yet, but hit on the uh hit on the green. I think Cody hit with me on that one. Yeah. Um I guess the night that they had the concert um up there, but that was uh that was on the list to play for this tour that has been postponed. Okay. So, we're going to uh hit that one up ASAP. Was that when Corey had a big bet on with you? Yeah. Corey was he temporarily lost his mind, I think. Yeah, let pride get in the way, which is another <laughs> another thing that tends to happen in DP quite a bit and threw out an absurd dollar amount for if one of us made a hole in one um in front of everybody on 17. And he was, needless to say, he was pretty nervous. Yeah, he, it, it kind of ruined the night for him. It was like what otherwise would have been fun watching you guys up there, he's sweating a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who's the most competitive on the golf course or just in anything of the five? I mean, overall, I'm going to say Ty. I think he <laughs> he's he's probably got that most, you know, Mamba mentality approach. But, I mean, to say we're not competitive would be wrong. The rest of us are <laughs> definitely up there. But I, I'd probably give that edge to Ty. Who, wh- where, where does the... Where does the fire start? Two guys, give me because I know in the documentary, like <laughs> Cody, Cody almost killed Corey. I think. That yeah, was, yeah, that was that okay. was. I'd say that was more of an old rivalry. I think you okay. know it's you have different uh, different rivalries for different things. The twins have been known to obviously as brothers get in get into their fair share. Um, me and Cody, I guess, will get into it, but. You know, at the end of the day, we've been we're over it, and it's kind of like, yeah, cool. Some of the some of the worst rivalries are just during staff meetings. Yeah. Really, you know, you, well, you know, here's what you got to learn, right? I'd say ninety percent of our business these days is just coming up with ideas. Yeah. So you got to be willing to throw out an idea. It probably happens to me more than most. I should probably just keep my mouth shut. But you throw out an idea, it's not a good idea, and then it just gets shot down down, and you just have to swallow that. Yeah. You know, but then pride gets in the way sometimes, and you know. Is it so. is it fair like Garrett the purple hoser? Does he is he like he, he sits back, kind of takes it all in, and then speaks? Is that accurate? No, no, that would not be an accurate description <laughs> okay. of Garrett. No, that would be the opposite. He he is a uh, takes in the information and immediately speaks okay. his mind. Okay. I would be okay. I would be the one that takes it in and then thinks about it for a very long time before I say anything. Typically, <laughs> and Cody's the messiest. Uh, yeah, Cody, Cody, Cody or Ty, Corey, Ty can, I mean, is off. What are you talking about? Well, look, 
Have you seen my closet recently? Yeah, okay. He goes on and on about this. Finally got a separate closet from his wife. Thinks that that was the issue the whole time. It's color coordinated. Yeah, this is the one area of Ty's life that's currently like that. But my office is just my storage place. I don't don't sit in my office as an office. So that's (laughs) just, it's just a gathering place for my things. Sure. Is what it is. Sure. Of the five, like, you're all like there's always times where you're going to be needling each other and like that was kind of fun to get under his skin a little bit right like when i think it was i think i was laughing when i think uh kobe you jumped in the bathroom and while tyler was waiting like (laughs) yeah like you did that on purpose clearly um to to needle him and, and and get under his skin but of the five like okay he's really mad like who's the scariest Ooh, if I mean, if I got to the point where I was really mad, it would be me. Okay. <laughs> Barely gets there. But most of the time, Garrett. Yeah. But but it's not like, oh gosh, what's he gonna do? But you can just Garrett gets riled up the easiest. Yeah, it's like sometimes you're just gonna you're just gonna avoid a convo. Yeah. You know, one of those. <laughs> what is well Corey well Corey said he was gonna he said he he almost quit eight times. Corey, yeah. Corey can get hot-headed. He'll yeah. admit that he's an escalator. Yeah, but he's gotten way better. He's worked. It on used that. to be. It used to be bad. It's been a conscious. It's been a conscious effort. Yeah, he's he's made a lot of progress okay. there. Well, man, it's uh, it was fun. I, I highly recommend go check out the documentary "Dude Perfects" on YouTube. Uh, it's a great <laughs> watch, and um, you know it's fun to let you guys let everybody in, kind of see what goes on out there. You know, you guys think your um, your dad Tyler uh, said it the best, who's also your um, your manager. That yeah that you guys are the same you know off the camera as you are on or you guys are the same off the stage as you guys are on and i and i saw firsthand i watched you guys interact with players i told i told amber my wife i said you know when we were hanging out at the players i said other than tiger the second most recognizable people on that golf course was dude perfect (laughs) (laughs) thank you thank you i was like she goes yeah you're probably right i said i think i am i was like if everybody no but (laughs) It's been cool for us to see, too, to be able to, you know, bring some of these these fans that are, you know, fans of our videos and kind of help and, you know, maybe introduce them to a sport like like golf yeah. that maybe they weren't as familiar or interested in and kind of bring them along for the ride into something that we that we're passionate about. And so, I mean, when we did that, that meet and greet, um, I think that was at Players. Um, yeah, I mean, they had to they had to shut the line down because it, it was getting too long. Yeah. And we weren't going to be able to get get through everybody. So. I mean, that was awesome. Yeah. I mean, we, we had no idea how many people were going to turn out for that. Right. So, I mean, stuff like that, you just, you know, you kind of su- surprises you every once in a while that, hey, there's, there's you know, more more kids out there than you think that are interested in golf still. And oh, yeah. just going to, you know, you got to continue to evolve the sport and the ways to get them interested. And um, I think I think the future of golf is, is going to be okay. Yeah. I think I think it's in good hands. Agreed. Yeah, I do too. I think we're going to get through and, um, you know, this, this podcast is special because I have a lot of kids and parents that come to my site, um, send me videos Sunday kids day is really taken off. And, um, you know, they're going to be, it's fun to watch. I've enjoyed that a lot. Thank you. They're going to be listening to this and they're going to be inspired because you guys love golf and that's going to make them love (laughs) golf even more. And I've said it many times, social media has really helped the sport of golf probably more than any other sport because they see dude, perfect playing. They see other athletes playing. And um, I think it just does a just does a ton um, for our sport. So I, uh, you know, it's it's awesome to see the documentary, your guys's continued success, and um, you know, just to witness how your faith and your guys's family stays, you know, number one. You know, that's uh, I think that's really cool. So congrats on everything, and I tell you what, let's 
Let's tee it up soon <laughs> if my wife Amber lets me. Bring Sounds it on. Good. Bring it on. <laughs> Can't wait to see the stripes you clicker. You really right, guys. Hey, I th- it's going to be a big seller. Thank you for your time. Uh, have a great weekend, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Stripe Show podcast. I'm Travis Fulton. We'll see you next time.